Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Carl's Roller Coaster Podcast. Hello, Jamie. Welcome to the roller coaster, my friend. How are you? Hello. I'm fine, fine. How are you? Yeah, man. All good. Pleasure to have you here. Can't wait to talk to you about, you know, all sorts of things. Um, I've been listening to Perfume of Decay like non nonstop. It became like a an obsession. <laughs> the songs, the lyrics. I mean, I really. I was just literally just before the conversation here reading um, a Kerrang article about that you basically talk through all the songs and explain the lyrics. And you're my dopamine. It's like it's just like it really resonates with me. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, thanks for making the time, man. Um, I'd love to kind of start from, you know, early days of Jamie Hall. I mean, where were you born? Where did you grow up? And, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Brad. Uh, well, I was born in London, but I moved up to Sunderland when I was like two years old. So I was brought to Sunderland, which is a part of the Northeast of England. Uh, a lot quite near Newcastle um, and yeah grew up in a sort of working class uh, single family um, and yeah I mean went to state school had had a great upbringing um, but you know with all the challenges that come with like you know growing up working class and all of that stuff so yeah um, I moved to Brain when I was 18 um, and went to uni um, and I met Janik there, drummer of Tiger Cub, and then we started operating as Tiger Cub for a bit, and then we found Jimmy, but our bass player, and um, he's been that's been the lineup ever since. Long may it go. So that's like this the brief introduction. And when did you when did you first pick up uh, an instrument? Was it the guitar straight away? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I actually started getting classical guitar lessons when I was younger. There was this guy. Uh, in town that yeah my mom found out about and uh, she thought that would be that'd be the right shout for me uh, so I actually learned like finger style guitar to start with and started like learning sight reading and stuff and like start with a lot of weirdly like a lot of um, Russian sort of traditional folk music and classical music and stuff you know like and stuff like when the saints come in and it all wasn't it was like it wasn't quite Back in Black by ACDC, but um, I stuck at it for a bit, and it sort of gave me these, like, I don't know, sensibilities on the guitar that I've still got now, to start with my fingers and stuff, and, you know, hybrid picking and stuff like that. So, um, that, I, the bad, I think, I was I was in secondary school, I think I was like year seven, so what's that, like 12, 13 years old when I started playing the guitar, and then um, I fell into, like, the the sort of pub covers the circuit in the northeast, which um, I, I I imagine it is still like a really big thing now. But back then, when I was growing up, it was really big. Um, there was like a huge covers circuit and like a lot of working men's clubs that you could go and play in um, and get really cheap beer from as well, which is great. Um, and yeah, like my my buddy from school, like his dad ran a pub in this place in County Durham called Peter Lee. And um, we've rehearsed there, and then we eventually got our first gig there. And uh, we started, you know, playing covers around all the clubs and working men's clubs around County Durham, Sunderland and Newcastle. And that's kind of like how I cut my teeth when I was like 14 through to like college. And uh, it was great because I was living at home and I was making quite good money out of it, like straight away out of the box. And um, so I was able to build lots of equipment and lots of stupid stuff that you buy when you're like 15 years old uh so yeah it was great that was what really that's what gave me the spark um and love of music and um you know i i, I picked up a couple of chops early and, and started to learn how to you know how the mechanics of playing in a live band works you know sound checks you know playing on stage long periods of time, tuning your guitar up, having the right equipment, stage presence, you know, stuff like that. It's like a really great way, I think, to learn firsthand how all of that stuff works, you know, learn by doing. Um, so that, that was really great for me, you know, and then I moved down to Brighton when I was 18. Um, 
after I actually went to college with like the Demop Happy guys and like a bunch of people that are doing really, really well in music, like Maddie Vant. He he's in this really great uh band called Vant. Um and uh yeah, it was a really great time, really great scene in Sunderland and Newcastle. Um I saw a lot of uh, there's a lot of great bands that would come through town. Um through Sunderland especially and play at a venue called the Independent and they would play there uh, when they were warming up like Glastonbury and Reading and Leeds Festival and stuff like that they'd like come up and do shows and like I guess like under the place um, so I got to see like yeah like you know the back of these and stuff like that in old sweaty clubs and it's just a really great time man it was a time when you know the noughties the orcs won quite weird angular guitar music was most popular genre so um it's just a yeah awesome fucking time very cool man so you did like the pub the pub gigs and all that very early on and making some money earlier on as well i mean that's like amazing i'm quite curious to know what's the kind of stupid stuff that at the age of 15 you'd spend more money on besides buying guitar equipment and well amps and things like that i'm quite curious what what does that mean uh it's beer <laughs> 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 the love of beer, beer. yeah beer mate i know you're a fan of beer i'm a big fan of beer man big fan of beer really am really understand a little bit yeah. about it and you know we're gonna go for some tastings at some point i'll take you to some good places to taste some great beers and i have actually a collection of um lambics and belgium beers that are just aging and are waiting always the right time to crack them open so yeah definitely we're gonna share a bottle sometime soon for sure Mate, let's, let's go to a show we'll go to a show and like we'll do some tasting beforehand <laughs> and we'll have it definitely I, know, it'd be great. I almost went to brighton last weekend for was last weekend noel gallagher was playing the on the beach you know the festival oh yeah i actually i got last yeah i got vip tickets to that thing it was well hollywood uh, <laughs> yeah i was there I would have seen you. Oh man, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like the day before. The weather was the weather was a bit like the forecast wasn't great, so I was like, I mean, I'm not gonna go all the way from London there, so missed that one. Yeah, the weather was quite bad. Yeah, it was raining the whole time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, the last train out Brighton's like twenty to twelve, mm. so yeah, you wouldn't exactly have been able to stay long, but. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll do it, man. Definitely. I'll, I'll do that. Definitely. Um, Jamie, so um, when it comes from, like, are you a single child? Oh, you have been brothers and sisters, yes. yeah. Right. Um, did you, I mean, did your parents have any influence in you in terms of the music that you were listening to growing up or, or any influence on you picking up an instrument and starting, you know, everything that you just uh, told us about or nothing to do with your parents' family? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my parents both they they love music. Uh, my mom, my mom likes classical music. She's actually she plays flute. Uh, oh. She's like a she, she she's a classically trained trained flautist. So there's always like classical music in the house. She's like she's a massive U two fan. She's a massive Duran Duran fan. Um, and I don't know. She just used to play a lot of music. Nothing like too crate diggery or anything like that. She just sort of enjoyed, just enjoys music that she likes. You know, she used to have this like Backstreet Boy seed. She would just play constantly. Um, she absolutely loved that shit, which I love as well. It's great. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of that around the house, my mom's side. And then my dad, when he came back on the scene, I got opened up to like, yeah, Thin Lizzy, ACDC, White Snake, you know, Cream, all of the class all the great you know dad rock stuff um bad company i've got a real affinity with all of that music um boston sammy hagar although you know kind of whatever um who else Ray um fucking loads of great stuff that i go back to and just still absolutely love but yeah well into 
whole classic rock thing and that like fed into being in the pub cover bands and stuff as well because we'd be covering all of this you know we, we there'd be certain tracks that you have to play uh because they're like standards and it's an interesting discussion that you have between the other band members in a covers band because you want to pick the tracks that the most people are likely to know you know that you can provide entertainment for them but then you know we'd always sneak in weird sort of b-sides and tracks that we we like from from um a lot of oasis as well especially around that time you know i kind of hated oasis at the time because Did you? um yeah like because all of the lads all of the lads that i didn't get on with the sort of jockey bros like they loved Oasis and I associated Oasis with them. So I was like, fuck them. <laughs> uh, but now I'm like the biggest Oasis ever. They're just the greatest band in the world. But yeah, that that was kind of musical diet is a bit mixed, you know, cross between classical music, um, pop music, like AE synth pop music, and then fucking straight up classic rock. But, you know, my dad's got like, he's got a huge appetite for music, as I, I'm sure most people's dads do. You want from a generation that grew up in a heyday and that pumped during the seventies and eighties is gonna most likely have pretty great um record collection, you know. So yeah, a lot of good stuff there. But it was really when I, I went down to Brighton uh and started studying, there's like some tutors that I had, so like this guy John Stewart. He introduced me to loads of great stuff, like um like Krautrock and stuff from Germany and just I don't know just like meeting like one of my best mates Kieran like he told me so much great stuff when I first moved down that I'd never really heard of I just had this like just this naive kind of I just like what I like like I like the Beatles but I hadn't absolutely sifted through all of their records you know I didn't really know Magical Mystery Tour or even like Abbey Road or anything like that and like my mate Kieran switched me onto that he actually had an iPod, a spare iPod, which he gave me because I didn't have an MP3 player at the time. I mean, that's how old I am, the age of MP3 players. Um, and it, that was so good for me because there was just a load of stuff on there that I didn't even know what, I didn't know what it was. So I just went through it and listened to it all. And that was quite a big moment of discovery for me, you know, um, yeah, that's the, that's the long and short of it. You know, to sort of ambling, accidentally bumping into, you know, these people in my life who turn me on to great music. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And when it comes to the entrepreneurial side of of it, you know, because obviously um, musicians in general, a lot of musicians in general, they miss the a crucial point, which is if you're forming a band, if you're writing your own songs and if you really want to try and um, make a living out of this very, very difficult business, which is the music business, um, you have to do it yourselves, basically, from, from the get-go. Uh, very rarely, you're going to have um, people or, or a team of people helping you from, from the beginning. So when it comes to, to that, like, because I know you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I mean, um, you're the sole songwriter. You write the songs, you write the music, and you produce, and you're on the forefront when it comes to uh, talking to, you know, business people, uh, agents, and managers, and, and and things like that. So, is that something that came naturally to you, or were you um, involved in? I mean, were you putting up your own gigs when you started? Were you doing things like that that kind of gave you an an understanding on on the ins and outs of how basics of business work? Yeah, for sure. Like Tiger Cup is one of those those bands that you mentioned where like it you don't get a major record deal straight away. You don't get people. You don't get all of that money uh, and you don't get that like instant success so you know if you want it badly enough you just have to go and take it um so yeah like throughout my whole career I sort of seen myself as like a bit of an outsider and just sort of try to find a route towards i just always thought like if i can get if i can put on a show and i can have it full of people that have come come to see that show like 
Oh, the, that's going to attract all of the industry and all of the people that I want to be interested in what I'm doing. So that was always the main focus is like, how can you, how can you pack out shows? Um, and like, there's a million ways to do that, but you've got to be smart about it at the same time and, and understand like just the basics. And I, I, I'd learned a bit just from just back in Sunderland, just sort of like branching out and doing my own sort of original bands and stuff and how different that's trying to get people to come to a bar to watch a band and pay take pay money to see it versus like being in a covers band and just having a captive audience that you play to, you know, which is a much easier sell. Um, so like when I came down to Brighton, yeah, it was like just trying to figure out what the best path is to you know to 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 get a lot of people to come to your gig and what i learned was like the more shows you play you essentially just filter out your audience so i learned fortunately like relatively quickly just to just do one gig a year and make that like the biggest like one headline show a year if you can and make that like the biggest draw and attention that one moment where you like really bug people to 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 come to your to your show and it's just, it's funny because i'm remembering it now as i'm talking to you. so i'm like it's a pro trip that memory lane for me but yeah and that we did we did slog it out and do loads of supports shows and say yes to every gig and we did that and we just didn't feel like we were really getting anywhere you know because what happens is people see you but they kind of see you too early and maybe you're not right to be seen and you know it, it to not present in the band the best possible life. So I, I learned, yeah, that it was better to put on one show and promote the living hell out of it, make it a, you know, get loads of your mates' bands to play and like surround it with a release of some kind, even if it's a self release, and just try and get 50 of your mates to come to your gig and blow it out, you know, and make it like an event, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. It was a bit rambly. Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's just because I, when I look back um, myself and when I used to be an artist myself and a singer and have a band and um, I I basically started like doing everything on my own terms because there was no other way. So meeting like local promoters, meeting, knowing where the gigs are taking place and who's putting up those gigs and who are the local bands and then getting together and putting gigs together and then eventually right uh, what kind of sound do we have what kind of music are we writing are we writing this particular type of music who are the producers who are the main guys producing this kind of music okay great how much does it cost to get a guy on like that on board what's the theme what's the artwork who's gonna do the artwork putting all those things together then shipping out cds back then you know like this is like 15 plus years ago yeah um and contacting people I've by been there, man. <laughs> yeah sending everything out like in the hopes that somebody will pick up that envelope open it and listen to it and send a note back to you saying you know we you know we're happy to kind of like try and make something work which luckily enough for me it did happen i got signed and i got album released uh, my albums released worldwide and did a bunch of things but no way. yeah Wow! I have four That's records, amazing, man. Dude. Four records released, and the first two, um, I went to Japan. Um, yeah, I was playing big shows in Brazil for like thousands of people. Was on television, and yeah, there's there's a story that that we can that we can talk about it uh, at another time. You know, there's a lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack yeah. that. That was my main thing for many many years. Then I basically decided that. It was going to be easier for me to make a living and actually uh, go to the stages where I wanted to go if I would put all my uh, know-how and everything that I've learned on those years plus the degree that I acquired last year in music business into actually looking after, you know, people that are more talented than me <laughs> or at least can write music that uh will uh reach more people than the music that i was doing because you know very niche heavy metal you know sometimes you kind of have to um uh, have a uh, emotional intelligence to you know 
make choices on your life. And those are very difficult, very difficult. You yeah. know, we're making choices every day in our lives, yeah. aren't we? I mean, um, who do we go out with? Oh, what yeah, do we do? Who do we work with? Uh, what, what does the future hold for us? Um, and the insecurities that we have, I was just reading about, uh, again, now completely on a tangent here, but like you are my dopamine track number eight of perfume of decay, my favorite. So I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite song. It's just a song that I, like, it really, I mean, it's just like, it, it really, it's one of those songs that really I, it re resonates with me. And it really kind of like, I don't know, man, there's something about it. And. And you're talking about, you know, like love and, and, and sometimes when you kind of like lay your guard down and then you feel very vulnerable and, and it's difficult because depending on your experiences in life, you will, you might get into a place where you might auto sabotage yourself and whatever, whatever else is happening around you because of insecurities. And sometimes those insecurities are very difficult to, to defeat them. You know, and and we sometimes you know shoot ourselves on the foot, but um, I don't even know why I went down this path now. But since I did that, <laughs> keep it rolling. Since I did that, um, let's go and talk a little bit. Like fast forward, man. I mean, like I must be honest with you. I haven't heard about Tiger Cub till our good friend Tony Couch uh, mentioned the bag yeah. to me. Uh, a while back and before Perfume of Decay was released, the new album uh, just yeah. released uh, this past June. Um, he sent that album to me and and obviously Tony being Tony, I was like, okay, let's listen to this very carefully. But it's like music for me, there's something that right. always happens. I, if I listen to something and it literally clicks with me quickly, I'm, it tends for me to just wear, wear it off. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know. I just mm -hmm. I, let it go. But if it's something that I kind of have to revisit and revisit and revisit, it tends to grow. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment literally a few weeks mm -hmm. ago <laughs> that um, I did something that very rarely people tend to do it nowadays, which is literally taking the time to listen to the whole record, song after song, reading the words, all of it, you know? Okay. And, yeah. and man, when I did that, it was just like, it literally like, fell in love with it. So congratulations on that. It's a fantastic That's album. Cool. I really, really, really love. Thanks. And I know that a lot of people are raving about it. It's a great piece of work. And I wanted you to tell us a little bit about how the evolution from the first two records and the EPs that you guys released got to what the Perfume of Decay is all about. Because it's such a concise album. It's a very mature album. It's it's everything that you always uh, uh, mentioned on 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 previous interviews of yours in terms of like big riffs, catchy songs. The production is really good. How did you manage to get to the point, and how long did it take for you to put this album together and eventually get in the studio, record it, and produce it yourself? Because you produced it yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did okay. Um, well, yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting subject, really. You've done it earlier in the previous, like, part discussion. Like, realizing, like, who you are and what you want to be is, like, such a huge part of it all and see where you sit and what is the most important style of music to you and what, what comes most naturally to you. And that took Tiger Cup quite a long time to figure out, you know. Uh, we've stylistically traveled quite far from how we sounded originally to where we are now in my opinion um and it's more been like this journey of trying to escape the bands that we sound like so trying not to sound as derivative to to music listeners ears. i think ultimately with like heavy guitar rock it's kind of impossible to do that ultimately there will always be comparisons drawn and like you can't you can't really escape that but that that has always been a big thing on our agenda so like when we first when we we released an ep in 2013 and then we released a single called blue blood uh 2014 and it sounded really nirvana -y. and for ages 
we were just getting tarred with like they sound like nirvana and it it got to a point i felt where like that really was getting in the way of how people actually enjoyed the song for what it is and what the meaning behind the song is and you know it just felt like that was too loud an element in the whole like makeup of tiger cup that it was starting to have a tremendous effect so that like after that single it really was a, a process of like us just trying to shed our skin constantly and trying to land on something a combination of ideas that really fit and is authentically tiger cub you know and there's always a little bit of a conversation to be had there between the two opposing forces of artistic integrity and commercial viability because you know you have to take those two elements very seriously as an artist there's only that could be like really successful and give themselves the means to keep making great music and making great art with really experimental music that is like totally disinterested in pleasing its listener and it's just solely for the, the search of something brand new and something that's like you know viciously unique but you know i think for the rest of us especially in the sort of rock world you know i like music that's quite commercially viable i like music i like pop music so you know that's that doesn't feel like it's uh too much of a concession for me to make as an artist but that was a big element of tiger cub on our journey so far as well and i feel like the first record abstract figures in the dark was maybe like too lent too far into the experimental world and was a bit disjointed because of it i still rate it as a record you know but if i was to be like super critical and then i would say as blues indigo maybe lent too far into the commercial world and like was a little bit too similar sounding and maybe a little bit generic sounding whereas like the perfume of decay now feels like i just feel like it's the best balance of you know us being our own thing and it being unique to what my voice is and what I have to say as a songwriter. But it also feels like it commercially it's it's really it's doing best out of all of our records and it seems to be reaching more people and have a more immediate effect in converting people when they listen to it first time. Usually in a Spotify playlist, you know, that's kind of the domain that people discover you in these days. And I feel like the Puffman Decay really does the best job of all of those things and i really think just like gothic rock music that's fucking heavy, but really almost kind of wussy at how emotional it is that's just really the music i love i love bands that sound like that and that's what i always go back to and i will never deviate from so i really feel like we've just we've come home you know we've arrived man the signals free records to get we've done it you know God bless, God bless. It's like, it really is like, it really is like my favorite band right now. I gotta tell you that. Sorry for like, you know, giving you too many compliments, but it's the absolute truth. <laughs> All right. No, I love it, man. It makes me happy. I can't, can't wait to see it live, man. Honestly, I'm like, I've been watching the videos on YouTube and everything. And I'm like, cause you know, there's always that thing as well that you listen to a record and it sounds so good and then okay let's go and check the band live let's go and check the videos online and and tiger cub is definitely one of those bands that you know live it delivers it it's like and i, I was searching for like if i could find you know obviously this my favorite songs from the last album but obviously those haven't been played live yet right there's a bunch of songs that they are not no we got queued up we'll be hitting the states uh west coast of america uh, in September through to October, um, and um, and then we'll be heading back to the UK as well with a show in London, Brighton, everywhere good in the UK, and we'll be brandishing those riffs. Brandishing uh, those riffs. in the new set for sure, mate. Brandishing them wholesale. <laughs> I love it. A riff <laughs> beast. I mean, great. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, be mindful of your time, my friend. I'm going to start to kind of like, uh, I mean, we, we would have so much to, more to talk and I'm sure we're going to have like a part two of this at some point, but, uh, but let me get into, yeah. let me get into some of, um, my so-called roller coaster questions. Um, <laughs> first one would okay. be, uh, 
do you have or follow any morning routines, rituals yourself? No, I'm not a morning person at all. I'm super nocturnal. Uh, my morning rituals is basically like drinking coffee and not e eating any food until like really late on in the day or not at all. I'm like intermittently fasting loads at the minute, which can just get so out of hand. But yeah, it's normally just like wake up, either go to the studio, smoke some cigarettes and drink black feet. It's the proper, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not very healthy. <laughs> But that is my routine. And it and just write songs um, and deal with bullshit, mm. you know, the hate sponge. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what's your spiritual practice, if any at all? Do you have any beliefs yourself? Um, I believe there is a higher power. I'm not practicing in any particular religion. I'll probably return back to a, to a religion of some sort because I really, really love and respect the, the positive effect that organized religion can have on the community of people and it offers like loads and loads of strength it offers strength to people in their darkest hour and i've had people in my life in my darkest times the people that have come rescue me have been people of faith and people have said prayers for me and stuff when i've been in really dark places and uh it's it's helped so you know i have a renewed understanding and appreciation of people who have faith. So I would count myself as one of those people at the minute, but I'm kind of in the agnostic traveling into other than minute, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. what's, um, what's your view about money? I like, I want all <laughs> of it. Want it. Wow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's great. It's great, man. No, I, you know, money is, money is something which can enable you to do really cool shit. You know, I've never been one for superficial possessions. I see money as this like motivating tool that you can employ to, to do really cool things. So I'm always thinking of it with like, How can I get the band to this point? How can I get the band to this point? How can we reinvest? How can we grow? You know, that's, that's, that's how I mean, that, that that's how I mean it, you know? And you know, you want, yeah, as you get older, you want things like security in life and you want to, you know, build a future for yourself. I was very, had a sort of nihilistic approach to money in my twenties, you know, and, and just thought all property was theft and all of that stuff and you know i'm not i'm not so inclined to those views anymore sort of understand that money is an important commodity in our world you know yeah definitely definitely yeah it's uh it's definitely a it's definitely of it's a creation obviously like everything else that we experience is in this existence of ours and unfortunately uh there's no way around it there's no way to not Uh, navigate this existence without it and at times drives us nuts because of you know uh, how do you make more money how do you fund the things they want to experience in this existence how do you have a family how do you buy a house all of those questions that yeah. we all um, endure facing uh, like very constantly uh, in our lives and uh, at the same time nurturing um, you know things that we want to do for our own sake and for the people around us yeah it's uh it's definitely something that can drive people nuts but it's extremely important and if you mm -hmm. can actually earn uh, via doing something that you are passionate about surrounded by people that you like and working with people that you like that you like spending time with i mean it's it's a wonderful gift isn't it Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. It is a beautiful thing, you know, and some people, you know, some people live their lives where, you know, they, they go and they go and earn money and they express themselves in other parts of their lives. And some people like us, I guess, like we 
chose a path where we want to make, you know, our job, our hobby, our joby, and we earn money through a more enjoyable means. But, you know, however, however you get money, as long as you're happy and fulfilled and, you know, able to communicate and express yourself, you know, that's the, that's the ticket to happiness, I think. Absolutely. But money's great. I think, you know, I think sometimes people can have a, it's quite a popular opinion, sort of opposed to money making and different things like that. But I think as long as it's not like exploitative, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being ambitious and wanting to, to go and fucking get after it and, and, you know, definitely, definitely just make a success of yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, what's a perfect day in your life? Um, go get up, go to the studio, a pissed afterwards in the studio. <laughs> Simples. It's the best. It's the fucking best, man. Wake up, get down to the studio, have a great product day. Really happy with what you've written or what you've worked on and then just get the beers out in the control rooms, listen to music, have a party. It's the best thing ever. I fucking love it. Um, (laughs) That's the vibe. That's the vibe. Um, I know you like practicing intermittent fasting, as you said earlier on at the moment. Um, I do it myself as well on purpose. I don't know if you're doing it on purpose or not, but I'm doing it on purpose. Um, but whenever, whenever you like, um, you're like in need of a treat, you know, you want to treat yourself and you want to be cheeky. You want to have that food that, you know, you know, it's not healthy. You would eat it regularly, but you try not to because, you know, it's not particularly good for you. It could be a sweet, it could be fry up, it could be whatever. What would that be? What would you go for? What would you, what would you do to treat yourself besides, you know, having a good selection of beers? Yes, uh, man, it's got to be hash browns, dude. I don't know what it is. I just fucking mad browns. That's like my ultimate comfort food. I don't know why. It's just just hash browns on their combination own? of this on their own, dudes, with the sauce, of course. Oh, but it's wow. just way better than chips, right? So that's my vibe at the minute, you know, just sort of big tubby car boy eating hash browns all the time and drinking beer. That's <laughs> fucking it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Do you take any supplements like multivitamins or anything like that? No. No, I I do I, you know I eat spinach and great. I do have a balanced, somewhat balanced lifestyle. Um, but no, I don't take any supplements. I really should do. I used to take uh, iron supplements, but um, don't do that anymore, mate. I'll 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 bring yeah. some suggestions to the table for you to see if you if we enjoy it. You know, it's just that very basic thing. You know, pop a couple of capsules a day and you are boom ticking the boxes you know minerals vitamins yeah. micronutrients boom done you know easy yeah yeah <laughs> totally man all in tablet form um what are you reading at the moment do you read much these days or are you just music focused what's happening um, i'm not really reading much at the minute I was reading uh junkie by william s burroughs um sort of intermittently again um which is great i usually just sort of i'll pick a naked lunch a bit because that that's always a thrill just to dive into um and then before that i was trying to read the grace um of wrath but i only got to the second chapter um but yeah not not really reading at the minute to be honest in any big way um no. Are you into Just podcasts? Are you into podcasts and series? You do, do you tend to kind of binge on series and things like that? Or is it not your thing? Um, I do, but I just watch me and my partner Alice. We just watch our favorite comedies over and over again. Um, but no, we like series as well. Like we're really into Succession. Um, massive fan of like. Brass Eye, Goth Marenghi's Dark Place, Peep Show, you know, that that whole kind of 
uh, I know in Partridge, the office just that that classic sort of British um, sort of nor- early early noughties uh, comedy. But yeah, we're sort of like yeah, looking for things really to to watch at the minute. We're rewatching the Blair and Brown years on the iPlayer, mm. which is that documentary about yeah Tony Blair and mm. Gordon Brown's premiership, which is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, man, there's just so much out there. Jesus, I just consume so much content. Yeah, constantly, it's hard to really all to really keep track of. You know, I just I've just got the fucking feed bag on, and I'm just sort of inhaling content constantly. Yeah, but yeah, as far as podcasts go. My taste in podcasts is fucking awful. I, I mean, I listen to BBC Five Live a lot to get to sleep. Just the fucking like blokes twatting on about football, which is just so tragic. But it's so boring, it puts me to sleep. Um, I have this like, I like to hate watch a lot of things, hate stream things. So I'll watch like, I listen to the Nelk Boys podcast, just and like the Logan Paul impulsive thing. Just to, I don't know. I just have weird, it's like, I'm kind of obsessed with with how much it annoys me. I'm like obsessed with that and like I don't know. What about you, man? What are you on? Uh, any good tips? Any recommendations for the minute? Um, I'm quite into. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. Um, I'm a big fan of Max Friedman, um, Tim Ferriss. I listen a lot. I yeah, he's great. Yeah, I listen to all the Dr. Huberman uh, podcasts. He's a, a professor of Stanford University, and he basically every episode is just like a lesson on things about um, health, about uh, things that you don't particularly think about in terms of circadian rhythm, how does light affect your life, and uh, mornings and evenings, and the biology of every aspect of our organism. How can you optimize yourself uh, in order to be uh, proactive, not have a clouded mind? How to, you know, um, I mean, understand a little bit more about this crazy thing that we are, which is the human body. You know, we don't think about it. We just, we just are. You know, we just stand up, you know, we mm-hmm. have a brain that coordinates how my hands are moving now. I'm not thinking exactly why. How am I, all of those things that are part of who we believe that we are, which is another conversation that I don't particularly believe that we are this figure in front of us. You know, I think we're all pure consciousness, all one thing, but then we interact with each other via five senses, which is all we know. We don't know anything outside of the five senses. And very good, amazing podcast. I find that incredible. The fact that nowadays you can just put on your earphones, you know, and listen to a professor of Stanford giving you everything about everything. I find that amazing. Um, yeah, quite a few corners. So I'll have to, I'll have to check that, man. Definitely, man. I'll share it with you. It's fantastic. Doctor Huberman is great, and I listen a lot to uh, Rupert Spira which is uh, a professor from Oxford as well, a guy that is really like delivering uh, messages, the message about, you know, uh, consciousness and presence and and who we really are. Uh, Muji, which is another guy that I love. I mean, there's quite a few, you know, so I mean, I'm constantly trying every day, whenever I'm not like focusing on something that doesn't de- that doesn't demand my full attention, I'm always with my earphones, I'm listening to something, you know, be that an audiobook or, or a podcast. When it comes to series, man, and television, mm-hmm. honestly, I love comedy as well. I mean, like, uh, Two and a Half Men, Charlie Sheen, I've watched that, like, time and time again, like, whenever I need yeah. a smile on my face, you know, that's what I go for. Um, haven't really watched anything super particularly great recently, but in the evenings, you know, um, if I don't have any commitments, I kind of like... To, I mean, where I live here, I'm, I'm next, for example, I'm going to finish this conversation with you and I'm just going to go for a walk in Primrose Hill, you know, because the evening is amazing. The sunset is just beautiful. Um, nice. But I really like, you know, yeah, watching but... something, you know, on the tally just to kind of like, you know, put myself to sleep as well. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's a lot of the things that I kind of like. Uh, I, I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn and getting information and sometimes it's an overload. Sometimes I do feel, because I'm the kind of person that listens, for example, this is going to be crazy, but I don't listen to podcasts on speed one. You know, you have, you have different speeds, right? That you can listen to. Oh, speed up. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, at first, when somebody told me you should try, you know, so you can consume more, I was like, no, I want to listen to, like on 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 the pace that they're having the conversation. And then I started 1.2, and right. then I went to 1.5, and now I'm on 1.75, and Spotify is actually 1.8. So it's like, you know, <laughs> conversations go fast. Okay. Now, and do you still feel like you can, like, are you still taking in the information? Is it still like, are you imbibing it still? Depending on, the, that depending on the subject, I have to slow it down. Depending on the subject, I will slow it down. But yeah. if it's not a very dense subject, if it's um, if it's not somebody also that speaks very quickly, uh, I'll, I'll maintain it. And uh, but uh, but yeah, there is that as well. You know, there's a lot because a lot of the things that you listen or that I I personally listen and read, they make sense. I I I take them in and I put somehow into practice, but I'm not able to explain it. I'm not a scholar. I can't give a lesson or teach somebody about. I mean. You know, so uh, I find amazing the fact that the more information you get about certain subjects, it becomes part of uh, who you are and how you interact and how you behave. Uh, and if you're listening to good stuff, if you're getting good information, which is, again, very difficult nowadays to get, there's a lot of misinformation out there and all good stuff. But if you find the right avenues, um, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's, it's a blessing in disguise, actually, mm -hmm. because... I guess the more you learn, the more you know, um, you know, the less you have interest for like conversations about, ah, ha, ha, her hair is super nice. Oh my God. Did you see what she did yesterday? That kind of thing, you know, and, and that puts you on a bracket that yeah. uh, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult. But then again, um, you kind of have to make choices and, and, and decide what's worth it for you, you know, if it's worth wasting your no, time. I get you, I get you, yeah. If you get too far into that stuff, it's, it's hard. It's just different gears in your mind, isn't it? Just to switch into, and you do need that. Oh, it's like everything in moderation, including moderation. You do need that, like, that sort of real basic level that you can sort of drop down to just to give your mind a little bit of a rest. Because, you know, sometimes if, I, if I'm getting into stuff that's too, heavy or it's too much going on in my life i just get really tired you know i just get really foggy you know and that's just like a sort of exhaustion that starts to come off me so i kind of need the the sort of really cheap like sort of tv or entertainment or even conversation that kind of does all the work for you and it's not too taxing every now and again i think it's really useful in like your content diet you know because all of that the Lex Fridman stuff, uh, and like, yeah, I mean, if you're listening to podcasts by like university professors, it's going to be quite dense, you know. So yeah, I could totally imagine that being like, it could consume you as well because they're like really, really big. These huge questions, these huge like spiritual humanity, you know, questions that you're wrestling with. Mm -hmm. It's it's large. I mean, for me, that's why. Making art is great because you can process that stuff through those channels, you know, and talking discourse is such a great medium for it. But, you know, making a piece of art, writing a song, you know, expressing yourself some way is that that's such a great mechanism for dealing with these like larger questions in life and like the sort of human condition sort of thing and how it process happiness, sadness, how it process the way you perceive the world, you know. Yeah. It's it's interesting. You know, it is it's an interesting question really. What sort of stuff do you watch? It's quite like simple, but it just made me think of it. Yeah. Because I watch a load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Jamie, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. Buddy. Thank you for like the conversation. No worries, man. Chat. So great to see you. Great to see you. And uh, we're definitely going to do a part two down the road of this um, and dive down into existential yeah. uh, topics, you know, go a little bit Yo, deeper. Let's get one in the calendar. Yeah, let's get back and let's go for like a deep dive. Fucking we'll both be crying by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, uh, tell me about it. Yeah. I think I'm in need of that a little bit, really, you know, <laughs> to get some emotions out of the Let's system. Do it, man. You know? 
For real, man. Death of the ego. Let's go for it. Death of the ego. So difficult. So difficult to deal with it. I meditate every day, you know. I've been meditating for the last six years. And I do it every morning, religiously. And sometimes at different parts of the day. And I tend to believe in many areas of my life that I'm very strong and I'm very on point. But there are still things, you know that sometimes they i mean you just you just can't really it's difficult to process it and the and even though you 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 observe your mind you're trying to not be your mind it's that feeling man that it's inside of you that you can't just pass by you know you can't just let go mm -hmm. and and anyway this is this is a conversation for another time we need to get into, I, it's annoying, I've got to go, but we need to get into this, man, because, yeah, I have some thoughts on that stuff. Cool. Um, I'll leave people with that, though. It's like, I do think um, a lot of people, there's this desire to process everything, and I wonder whether that is necessary. I think, like, sadness and things not clicking and things not feeling right is, it is a, is is part of life that we have to accept you know what i mean it's uh we could get so deep into that maybe that was a foolish thing to end on because that's sort it's of like great. a little seed grain for us to follow down the rabbit hole but good. Yeah, good. we'll roll it back for sure for sure nice one buddy and uh let's try and mate let's try and have a beer sometime soon man either in london or in brighton let's plan Come something on, man let's do it do you like football I love football. Come on. I was watching football in Brazil all night long this past night. The most amazing match of the century happened last night in Brazil. My family was in the stadium. 50,000 strong. Fuck it. Now, let's go. Let's go football match. Fuck yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, dude. Let's do that. I want to do that. Okay. I'll watch right. that you. Perfect. Jamie, speak to you soon, my nice friend. Talk, buddy. So great to see you. Great to see you. All right. Have Be a good well. evening. Speak to you soon, all right? Speak soon. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation, this podcast, as much as I did doing it. So if that's the case, please do follow on Instagram at rollercoaster carl myself at carl casagrande on twitter same thing facebook same thing uh do subscribe do subscribe on itunes subscribe on spotify that's very very much appreciated thank you and have a great great day cheers bye bye